I wanted to start tonight by turning in our Bibles, there's Bibles on your tables, or if you brought the Word of God, you can uh, turn in your own copy, to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 8 here in just a second. Tonight we're going to look at a master-level leadership principle that has to do with why we exist as a church. What is the true purpose of the Gateway Church? But even bigger than that, what's the true purpose of the church at large, the body of Christ? Why do we exist? And that's what we're going to talk about. And it's interesting that God, in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 8, it says, this is why it says, when Jesus ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and he gave gifts to them, or to men. He gave gifts to people. You say, well, what kind of gifts? And we see it in verse, starting in 11. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Why would God do that? Why would God put it on some of our hearts? And I believe even in this room that there are pastors, future pastors in this room, evangelists, teachers, prophets, apostles in this room. I believe that. But why would God do that? Well, let's look. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and to become mature. Everyone say mature. God put these people within the church to mature the church. There's three points there under that first letter A. It's the first one that why did God do this? For the perfecting of the saints. Everyone look around, tell your neighbor, you're the saint. God put a pastors and apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers into your life to help you to be more perfect, to build up the body of Christ. For the work of ministry is the line number two. And why would he do that? For the edifying of the body of Christ, for the church. In the edifying there, or in the word here, it is to grow the church, to build it up. God wants us to be growing. How many know that everything that is healthy grows? Everything that is alive should be growing. So what is the main goal? What's the purpose of the church? Why do we exist? And why did God put these people within the body of Christ to, to grow us up, the first thing there is to make disciples. Does anyone know what Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says? It's the Great Commission. That's right. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And to teach them to make disciples. That is what we are here to do. That is what we're doing tonight. We are shaping and molding our own lives, and we are learning tonight. Now, the interesting thing is that some people think, well, the pastor should be doing all the discipling. Well, not exactly. The New Testament pastor is to be an equipper, and we're going to talk about that tonight, of the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. So the pastor's job, Pastor Pete, and my job, and, and, uh, and, and Miss Deb, is to grow you guys up, to disciple you, to be equippers, and not necessarily always to be making the coffee or to be working in the, in the doing plumbing 
or all the counseling or all the visiting or all the preaching or all the weddings or all the baptisms or all the things that a pastor does. The job of a pastor is to equip the saints for ministry. And that's what Connect 301 is all about. That's what master-level leadership training is all about. And you know what? Jesus, he's the one that set the example for us. In John chapter 17, it, he, there's, it's a famous prayer. It's kind of the, the high priestly prayer. It's the prayer right before Jesus was going to the cross. And it's interesting that in that prayer, you don't see Jesus uh, mentioning all the miracles he's done or all the healings that he's done or all the relate. But what's interesting is that in his prayer, he mentions the men that he had gathered around himself and had equipped. He had walked with his disciples for three years, training them for the work of the ministry. In fact, over 40 times, he mentions the people around him in that prayer. So what Jesus did, he said, hey, come follow me, and I'll make you, what, a fisher of men, right? But then he says, now that we have gathered the men or the women, I want you to be a discipler of them. The church is not merely about getting people saved. That's important. This last Sunday, we had four people saved in first service, seven, uh, or rededicate their lives, seven in second service, and five on youth group on Sunday night. It was a great day. But you know what? If we just stop there, we're missing the point. The church, what we should be producing is disciples. Why do we exist? Well, I was kind of talking with Steve before service. Steve owns a business, and he makes these hearths that go under, these these beautiful uh, hearths that go under gas in wood fireplaces in your house. If you've got a wood-burning stove, he makes these beautiful hearths that go under. It protects. It's good for the house, but it beautifies. And it's interesting. He puts man hours, and he puts resources in, and the product is these hearths. And they go under, and it's, it's, that's the product that you make, right? That's why you're in business. And that when you make those profits, the more you make of those, the more you sell, the more profitable for you. Well, let's put it in the church's terms. Why are we here? We put manpower in. We put our resources in. What should the product be that's coming out? Disciples. Not just salvations, but disciples. And you know what? There's a lot of churches that are not fulfilling this mandate. There are a lot of churches putting manpower in, and they're putting resources in, they're putting their money in, and all they're getting is an ice cream social or a get-together, or they get together to play baseball or softball or all these things. You know what? If, it, if, if that's what church is all about, that's a club. That's not church. But God has called us to be builders of people, to be equippers, and that's what we're We want to encourage our master-level leaders to be growing to the place where you will be working in ministry, making an impact in your own life. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 18. It's interesting that uh, a story right in the Old Testament, story of Moses. Moses had found himself overwhelmed. In verse 13 of chapter 18, it says, The next day Moses took the seat to serve as judge 
for the people. Moses was a judge. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered them, because these people come to me to ask and to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Now, what had happened here is that Moses was doing all the work. He wasn't delegating. He wasn't uh, doing anything. And there was a problem here. He was wearing himself out. And what's interesting as well is not only was he stressed out and worn out, the people's needs were not being met. And no one was being trained to do what Moses did. Look at verse 15. Moses answered, or no, I'm sorry, 17. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. What you're doing is not good. And I just want you to imagine, in our context here at the Gateway Church, if I was going around when, when people came in on the parking lot, and I, I was like waving at people out of the parking lot and being a first friendly smile, and then I came and helped them open the door and, and uh, you know, got them in the door, and then they've got kids, so I run them over to kids' church and, and get them plugged into kids' church. And then, oh, it's almost time to start. I get up on the, on the stage and, all right, let's sing a little bit. You know we're going wrong there, right? We're going to sing a little. And then I, then I preach, and then I, and then I do all the visits. How many know that would be crazy? That's what Moses was doing. He was doing it all. But Jethro, his father-in-law, gave him a solution. He says, look. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. And that's what was happening. The workload is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to to him. Teach them the decrees and the laws and show them the ways to live and the duties They are to perform. Select capable men from among the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, so on and so forth, and have them serve as judges for the people. And if there's something too difficult, bring them to you. And then verse 23, if you do this, and God, as God so so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. The solution that Jethro gave to Moses at that moment One was to educate the people, to make disciples, and then to delegate and to set them up for success. And I love it. In verse 23 there, the result is is that there will be less strain on Moses. And all the people will go home satisfied. And you know what's great? Master-level leaders do this. You, as you grow, will be able to delegate and encourage and to be an equipper. And Moses was a master-level leader. Look at verse 24. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. You know what? Moses was a master-level leader. He was smart. He listened to what God and what his father-in-law had encouraged. Flip over your page to the second page there, and you'll see two little diagrams. The first one on the top right is interesting. And uh, there's this little guy, and there's a, a triangle there, and that triangle represents the church. 
And without education or without delegating, if the pastor tries to do it all, he's holding up the church, and as the church grows, what happens? The load gets heavier, doesn't it? And the pastor eventually will collapse or get suffocated, will burn out, will have a nervous breakdown, will have some sort of failure in his life. How many want a pastor like that, that does everything, right, and just is a one-man show? No one wants that, right? But with education and delegation, a church can grow to unlimited size. The triangle should have the base on the bottom, and those little people, that's you guys, working together. And as the church grows, let's pretend like that, that triangle continues to grow, we're adding people to hold up the pastor who is called to be the overseer, the one who casts the vision. That second diagram, <coughs> excuse me, that second diagram represents what Jethro was talking about with Moses and what we are to accomplish here at the Gateway Church. That's what Henry Ford did when he first made the, the automobile. When he made that first Model T, you know what? He did all the steps himself on the first one. But would Ford Motor Company exist today if he's the only one that could have made those cars? No, he delegated and he gave responsibilities and they created an assembly line and all those things. You think you go to McDonald's and the first guy that made, uh, the, that made the McDonald's hamburger and kind of created McDonald's, if he was the only one that could do it, would we have the Big Mac today? That'd be tragedy. Aren't you glad Mr. McDonald <laughs> delegated a little bit? I know, as some of you guys are. And the same is true here, that we, as the Gateway Church, as we begin to or continue to equip the saints to educate and to delegate, we will be more and more successful. So the solution in point C there is the, the success of ministry is education and delegation. To select honest, capable people from the resource pool. You say, well, what's the resource pool? Well, look around the table. Everyone look at your neighbors for a second and kind of point your fingers at each other and say, he's talking about you. <laughs> and now point your fingers at yourself and say, who, me? <laughs> right? And so we need to be looking. And Pastor Pete and I and Miss Deb and Miss Penny and other leaders here, we are looking for capable leaders, honest people to invest our time in you, to train you like Jesus did, and to give them authority over routine matters. Turn with me to one more place, Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, it's interesting. The church was exploding. It was growing. It says, in those days when the number of disciples increased, the Grecian Jews among them had complained about the Hebraic Jews because the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The disciples were trying to do it all, right? So the 12, the disciples, they gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait the tables. Brothers, choose seven among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention and prayer uh, and ministry. Uh, and we will, I'm sorry, and we, I just botched that. 
we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. So what they're saying, they're saying, look, the things that are over here on the side that are running us crazy are keeping us from the Word of God. And they're saying, no, others can do that. And it's interesting, we, we see that and we model that in our home. Students, if your parents just did your homework for you when, when you got home, and they're saying, hey, let me just take that from you, and I'll just do that math homework, or let me write that paper for you. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> the students are like, yeah, that'd be awesome. But no, you wouldn't do that to your child because they need to grow. In fact, it's interesting. Today I was at a, a conference for my son Logan, and our teacher, his teacher, said the goal for Logan and for all those students, eventually, as they grow, is for them to be independent thinkers and doers, to be independent. And a parent's responsibility is to make disciples. And so we don't help them, or we may help them, but we're not going to do their responsibilities. But we train up our kids in the way they should go. Real quick, why do some people not delegate? What do you think? Just around your tables, take 30 seconds and just shoot out a couple things. Why do people not delegate? Why is it that people do not delegate? Go. 30 seconds. That means to give them responsibility. Why would people not give <laughs> a responsibility? Yes. Thanks for a good clarification. All right, you got 15 more seconds. Why do some people not delegate? All right. If you don't know, in just about three seconds, we're going to give you a few things to write down. So hopefully you're writing some of these down. Let me give you a list that were from Dave Williams, a pastor in Lansing. He gives a bunch of these, and let's just go over them. Sometimes people don't delegate because they're too thoughtless to stop and think that someone else could do what they're doing more efficiently. <laughs> Some people don't delegate because they're too weak to realize that they are not self-sufficient. Some people don't delegate because they're too selfish to realize that no one gains when we try to do everything ourselves. This is from Dave Williams, number four. To threaten to understand that people will not hate you for delegating work to them. Did you know that there are people, and some of you are even here, that enjoy being asked to do stuff? Yeah. You guys enjoy it when we ask you to do stuff, right? That's right. <laughs> Number five, how about this? Some people don't delegate because there's fear of trusting others or the fear of others making mistakes. And the last one here is some people are too proud to accept the fact that doing everything yourself does not make you indispensable. There's lots of reasons that people don't delegate, but master-level leaders learn to delegate, learn to be equippers of the saints. Now, the results for Moses, we found, and we kind of looked at those in Exodus chapter 18. The, the results, there's three things. First of all, the leader remains fresh and active. No nervous breakdown, no burnout, no failures, hopefully. <laughs> Number two, they develop a good mobilized team of delegates and extend the outreach as a result. And I love the third thing that's probably most important, that all the needs were met. 
We see it in Acts chapter 6 there that all the needs were met. Verse number 6, they presented these men as apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. And what happened? Verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples increased and the number of priests became obedient to the faith. Church, students, and everyone, everybody benefits when a leader delegates and is an equipper of people. You know what? It's not as important to me. Who meets the needs is not as important as the need getting met. I can't pray with everyone. I can't counsel everyone as your pastor. I can't hang out with everyone as your pastor. There's, I enjoy all those things. I love you guys. But I only have a limited amount. But as we, as we equip each other, as we grow the body of Christ, the needs will be met. One man can't do it all. And I just want to say to all of you, I need you. I need you here at the Gateway Church. Students, we need you to be equipped and to be growing. Single adults, we need you to be active and to be serving. Parents and, and uh, you know, Judy, we need you and others in your age bracket. I'm not saying what that is, but uh, <laughs> we need you. <laughs> That's right. And together, I love that picture of that triangle that's upside down. And if you can just put yourself in one of those little, it looks like little ants, doesn't it? <laughs> holding up and holding me up so I can continue to cast vision and we can grow to an unlimited potential. My heart for you is for you to grow. The reason we're doing Connect 301 in this format is so you will be growing, you can be challenged. And the purpose of the church ultimately is that we will be discipling people. And with God's help, that's exactly what we are going to accomplish. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you and then we'll dismiss the kids. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be people that are willing to serve, willing to be teachable, willing to love you with all of our heart, and willing to be equipped, to be taught. And God, help us not only to be taught, but to be teaching, to be equipping, to be discipling. God, I pray that those that came to the Lord this past weekend, Lord, and or Greek came back to the Lord, God, I pray that they would be discipled, that we would be walking with these folks, and God, that we would all be growing for your glory, for your honor. We pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen and amen.